0: Welcome to episode 271 of Live Happy Now. This is Paula Phelps welcoming you back again this week. Anxiety is something that many of us are familiar with, particularly now. But have you considered embracing it? This week's guest, Carla McLaren, makes the case for delving into this emotion and using it as a force of energy. Her book, Embracing Anxiety, How to Access the Genius of This Vital Emotion, takes a completely new look at how anxiety can benefit us. This week, she talks about how important it is to recognize what anxiety can do for us and learn how to use it for positive effect. Carla, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we had to talk to you because this is a very interesting book. Because for most of us, embracing anxiety is not the thing that we want to do with it. (laughs) So... Can you start by telling us what made you begin to look at anxiety as a source of energy and insight instead of the rest of us mere mortals look at it?
1: (laughs) I, I have to say that in my movement through understanding anxiety has been rather choppy because I wrote a book in 2010 called the language of emotions. And I did not understand anxiety at the time. So I thought of it as a problem because that's how people talk about it. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard anybody talk about it as anything but a problem. And I began to question whether what I was saying was true and whether I understood anxiety at all. And in 2010, like right after the book came out, thank you so much, I heard a radio show with Dr. Mary Lamia and she talked about anxiety as the emotion that helps us get things done and I went what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the one that paralyzed us and left us on the couch. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, um,
1: And then I began to think about it, and she talked about two different kinds of ways that you work with your anxiety. One is to be task-focused and get things done in a regular kind of a list-making, do this, do that, do this, do that. You're always working, and that's me. That kind of person doesn't feel a lot of intense anxiety because they're always responding to their anxiety every day. That kind of person is also usually not identified as anxious. They're identified as organized, focused, a good worker, a good student, right? There's all kinds of accolades for people who work with their anxiety in that way. And I always did. So I didn't identify it as anxiety at all. You know, I sort of had to pull my car over. I was driving. I was like, what did she say? <laughs> and then there's another kind of way to work with anxiety, which is called procrastination, which is never been presented to me as anything but negative and this different way of working with anxiety is that the procrastinating person is working not from task to task to task like I do they are working to a deadline and they may be able to chill all the way up to a couple of days before the deadline and then have this rush of anxiety that helps them get everything done and i have been taught and i know people who procrastinate have been taught that what they are is lazy and then lucky this is not seen as an appropriate way to work with anxiety so my complete ignorance about anxiety was because i'm a task-oriented person who never allows anxiety to rise to that level right that that a procrastinator works with beautifully all the time and So I just went, okay, all right, thank you. And then I began to understand anxiety more and more, and I worked with it. And I put it in my 2013 book, The Art of Empathy, just because I felt like it had to be someplace. I felt so ashamed (laughs) that I had not known it. And then Mary Lamia wrote her book in 2017 called What Motivates Getting Things Done. So if you're interested in how you can live as a procrastinator, then definitely go get that book. But here's something interesting. Just this week, a friend of mine put this on Facebook, the word root of procrastinate is belonging to tomorrow or deferred till the morning.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So in a way, a procrastinator knows where anxiety belongs. It doesn't belong right now because the deadline's three months out. So trust yourself, right? And as a task-oriented person, I sort of trust myself, (laughs) but I know I need to task, 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 you know, do, 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 do. That's how I do my anxiety.
0: Right. Yeah. And as yeah. a task person, myself, being around someone who's a procrastinator, that increases my anxiety <laughs> because yeah, I because start feeling can't like, do that. yeah. And it's like, how are you going to get this done? Aren't you freaking out that you haven't even started this project? And, and they're like, nah, I'm good. No, I'm good. And bless the hearts of all
1: procrastinators who have been able to maintain their way of doing anxiety, even in a world that treats them as pathologically disordered. right it's a perfectly acceptable way to work with anxiety but procrastinators will feel that level of anxiety that I never did right they'll they'll have that two days until the deadline kind of intense anxiety that I'm always avoiding with my tasks right right?
0: and for a lot of them they see it more as adrenaline than anxiety
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's certainly adrenaline involved, right? Because you, you got to get things done. The whole purpose of anxiety is to help you get things done. And if you've got a deadline that's right up at your face, or if you've got so many tasks that nobody could do them, your anxiety may just ramp up your whole organism, right? Your whole system may mm-hmm. go into overdrive. Yeah.
0: Now, what about when we talk about anxiety as a way of getting things done and a source of energy, there's a kind of anxiety going on right now that might be difficult to harness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So can you talk about that kind of anxiety? That's neither task oriented or it's not something that makes us procrastinate either. It's a pervasive type of anxiety that we have.
1: Yeah. And I would say it's a pervasive uncertainty right? Mm-hmm. We don't know. As we're speaking now, we are in the second wave or the continuation of the first wave of the pandemic. And we are seeing so much that was hidden under the surface of our countries and our how we treat workers and what's going on with race, it's all right up in our face. And so there's so many emotions that are coming up for us and anxiety is certainly one of them. But it is feeling overwhelming for a lot of people and they would just like some certainty, right? That's not happening. (laughs) There isn't any. (laughs) So how do you work with uncertainty? And what I've found is bringing my anxiety closer in, closer to me, because we can't plan for I don't know if you can even plan for a month at this point. Right. I'm in California where we open too early and we are in trouble. So everybody was like, we're going to go to the beach again. Nope, you're yeah. not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You go to your room. That's yeah, you, you go plan. to your room. So I'm seeing people's lack of emotional skills really showing up right now. That anxiety should be here because we need to be aware of everything around us and we need to do whatever we can do, but we can't have that long ranging anxiety we used to have or like next year I'm going to do this. And do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now it has to come in close. So I'm finding for me and my anxiety, I'm looking at what I can do in the next couple of days and maybe out a week or two. I'm relying on Trello and my calendars and just putting things out and knowing I should probably do everything in pencil at this point but I'm trying to maintain some kind of stability in an unstable time but knowing it's kind of a I'm kind of fooling myself too. Do
0: you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes perfect sense and the only thing certain is that this uncertainty is going to continue. Yes. So so how do we embrace that anxiety because the name of your book is Embracing Anxiety and how do we start to embrace anxiety?
1: I think it's important to understand the difference between anxiety, the emotion, and anxiety, which is labeled as a condition of being overwhelmed and feeling a kind of dread and danger. Anxiety, the emotion, helps us organize ourselves, focus on what we need to do, and get our tasks done or meet our deadlines if we're in the deadline-focused group. That's anxiety's whole job, and anxiety should rise to a level where you are activated if you've got a lot of tasks to do or if you've got a deadline very close, but it shouldn't be activated all the time if you understand the emotion, right? You would be able to respond to it and ask anxiety, okay, what have I forgotten? What needs to be done? Then you'll do that thing, and your anxiety should settle. But there's also a condition where your body is just continually sort of on fire. And that is called anxiety. But I see it as something else. And usually it has a connection with panic. Panic and anxiety are regularly mistaken for each other. And the way to tell the difference is if you do your task, then you meet your deadlines. And that sense of activation doesn't settle. It's something else. And if there is a sense of dread or danger, it's definitely panic because panic's job is to come forward when your life is in danger and to give you this incredible energy to fight, flee, or freeze. Panic is the emotion that can help you lift a car off of a child. It's a very intense emotion. And when it's present, it can be very, very activating. So it's really important
0: to understand the difference between those two emotions so that you'll know what to do, right? So really, a lot of us right now are in a state of panic. Yes, and we should be, Yeah.
1: right? Because people are dying and it's a scary time. But a lot of people, I keep seeing on Facebook and Twitter, don't panic, don't be anxious, don't live in fear. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I would say, get some panic skills, embrace your anxiety, understand fear, rather than let's pretend that nothing's happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because the stay calm and carry on, I like the carry on part, but the calm is a lot more difficult to master. And according to you, we don't have to. We don't have to work at keeping the lid on all these things. So what do we do with them?
1: Well, I have a bunch of skills in the book about how to help people ground themselves and have a sense of I'm here now and I'm, my body is okay. I'm safe right now, if you, in fact, are safe right now. And how to set boundaries and how to work directly with anxiety. But just to basically develop skills, not in calmness, but develop skills so that you become a place where emotions can be heard and worked with effectively so that you are not treating emotions as problems. Most people have been trained to see emotions as problems. And I understand it because when things are going wrong, there will be a lot of emotions there, right? (laughs) So like, well, if these emotions were gone, then everything would be great. And what I see is that emotions come forward to respond to the problems. The problems are already there and the emotions are trying to help. But if we see our emotions as trouble, then we're gonna react to the very things that are trying to help us. So we're going to get ourselves into a spin that isn't necessary. There will be so much to do. Anxiety will come forward and be like, hey, pal, I've brought you some energy. And we look at anxiety and go, gah, I hate you. (laughs) And now we're just, you know, where are we? What have we just done? We've slapped away the very thing that came to help us.
0: Yeah. And you also talk about emotions. They often come in groups or clusters. Mm-hmm. So, can you talk a little bit and that's kind of what we're talking about? Can you explain what that means and why they travel together as a gang that attacks us? No they, <laughs> why why they they do come in groups <laughs> like I was walking in the park exactly and I it. Like, I'm came just like, at me, yeah, I've got my iPod <laughs> on, I'm like running, and then there they are.
1: Yeah. Well, for right now, I just did two videos on YouTube about six emotions that should be happening right now and people are feeling like they're the problem but they're not so i'm looking at fear anxiety and panic which should be present during a pandemic hello good morning welcome and sadness depression and grief which should be present during a time when people are dying right all of those Mm -hmm. should be there but most people don't know the difference between them and so i talk about the difference Fear is a beautiful emotion that at its softest level, and it's important to understand emotions appear at many different levels of activation. So at its softest level, fear is our instincts and our intuition about the present moment. Anxiety is our ability to prepare for the future. And panic is an emotion that comes to help save our lives when we're in danger these are very different emotions doing very different things. And if you don't know the difference between them, you won't know which actions to take to support those emotions right? Mm -hmm. Sadness, grief, and depression. Most people avoid those emotions like the plague. Well, we're in a plague. And we got them. We got all three. (laughs) We got all three. So sadness is a beautiful emotion that comes forward when it's time to let something go. You don't need the thing. It doesn't work anymore. And sadness is here to help you sort of wash it away. Depression is a different emotion that comes forward to kind of pull your energy away from you when there is something wrong and you should not be going forward. This is a situational depression. It relates to a, a situation that is depressing, like a, a relationship, a job, your health, finances, being in a country that's falling apart, <laughs> to name a few. <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> um, <laughs> what would that be like in a failed democracy? And then grief is different from both in that it comes forward when you didn't have a choice about letting go. The thing or the person has died. And grief is a powerful emotion that helps you mourn what you've lost so that you can sort of honor the importance it had in your life and move forward resourced as a person who has loved and lost. And a lot of people avoid grief, like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. And so there's these six emotions. Of course, there's more emotions too. We're seeing a lot of anger and rage and hatred, but all of these emotions are necessary. And if people don't have skills for them, it's just going to feel like a pileup.
0: Yeah. And in creating those skills and in cultivating those skills, I know one thing that we've talked about, and this is Kind of like what you're mentioning now, last couple of episodes, the, my guests have talked about the importance of naming the emotions. Oh, to, yeah. To really give a voice to it. And now, what you're doing is taking it from just saying, I feel sad to like, okay, now I'm going to dissect that. Is it sadness? Is it depression? Or is it grief? Because as you said, it it mm-hmm. can feel like the same thing.
1: Yes. And naming your emotions is so crucial and having a very large and very wide emotional vocabulary is good so that you know, am I in some soft sadness or is this intense sadness? Has it moved to grief? Is this fear or is it panic, right? To begin to articulate within your emotional realm. And then, yes, I do go a step further saying, okay, so if it's sadness, it's time to let go of something that isn't working anyway. If it's grief, something has died and it's time to mourn. If it's panic, you need to see, are you safe? Is it time to fight, flee, or freeze? Right? And if not, could this be panic from a previous trauma that has is still active? Right? So each emotion brings you a specific kind of intelligence and a specific kind of help. And what I've done is created like questions you can ask the emotions to lean into the help that they're trying to bring you. I think a lot of people's questions for emotions tend to go, why am I such a scaredy cat? Shut <laughs> up.
0: That's the question. <laughs> it is. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to sit and look at them. You know, I don't think the majority of people are saying, you know, I think I'm just going to sit with all these emotions and explore it. We're <laughs> going, can I please get back out, get to the beach? Can I get some sunshine? Can I just forget all yeah, of this?
1: I think the idea of sitting with emotions is so opposite to how we've been trained. Mm-hmm. Um, We've been trained to look only for the, I'm putting finger quotes around this, goodness, mm. and to avoid anything that shakes us up. And I've been interested to note, one of my keys to getting into this work is called Unvalancing the Emotions, is there are no positive emotions and there are no negative emotions. And what I notice is that what we call negative emotions, and that's most of them, shake up the status quo. They challenge what is happening, whereas the positive emotions support the status quo. And so who would want negative emotions, right? Exactly. Who would want those? We want everything to just be chill and move forward with no problems, except now we're in a world full of problems and we find ourselves with no skills.
0: So how do we start developing them? I know in your book you do, you have, as you said, you've got questions that kind of guide us through, but say someone's sitting there right now and they're like, okay, I need to start on this pronto.
1: (laughs) Pronto. How do you start? With emotional vocabulary. There's been a lot of research showing that simply developing a stronger emotional vocabulary can give you emotion regulation skills all by itself. And some research is suggesting that if you can tell your body what the activation is about, it can calm down your whole organism. So instead of, could this be a heart attack? You can say, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and your body will go, whew, okay. All right. Alarms are off and now go do your anxiety thing, right? Go do your tasks or meet your deadlines or whatever it is that you do. And understanding what level of emotion we have. I do have something free on my website called the Emotional Vocabulary List. And I made it on Facebook and my website over a period of months. So a bunch of people came from everywhere and threw words in. And I organized them by emotion and by activation. So a very light amount of fear would be just your instincts are activated. And a more... in Medium level of fear would be you're aware you're focused and an intense level of fear might be like hyper focused Understanding where you are in the continuum of each emotion can also help is especially can help if you tend to go to level 10 of every emotion like every time you're angry You're enraged you're incensed you feel violent. Mm -hmm. I would say hmm see if we can drop back down to these emotion (laughs) words and when do you feel light levels of anger because it's easier to work with there right not that the intense levels of anger are inappropriate but if that's all you do I want to see more range in your emotional expression
0: yeah yeah I do want to also ask you if someone has an anxiety disorder so it's more than just uh, dealing Mm -hmm. with the emotion but they truly do have an anxiety disorder in which they find themselves crippled and overwhelmed by anxiety, does that change the way that they interact with their emotion or the approach that they should take?
1: That would require support from a counselor or their doctor because, as you know, if you're feeling that much activation all the time, your whole body sort of... There's not really a lot else you can do, and I would say that either the person has some kind of um, physiological thing going on, or they are in a series of relationships or situations where their anxiety has to be on like that, and usually when we call it a disorder or anxiety attack, panic is there, so I would always ask whether the person is safe, and What kind of relationships are going on around them? A lot of times you'll see people who grew up in an abusive household and found an abusive job in an abusive relationship. And so their anxiety has to stay active because they're not safe. Mm -hmm. And their panic does too, right? So it's going to require support. And then when they have the support, then they can go back and start identifying the difference between their anxiety and their panic start to understand when they're having a physiological increase in energy that doesn't relate to tasks and deadlines to become articulate about what's going on in their particular organism. Right. Cause we're all so different.
0: Right. So at a time when it's hard to get out, it's might be difficult for them to interact with someone. What would be a good way for them to find someone to reach out to help them with this process?
1: There are a lot of therapists who've now gone on, well, almost every therapist I know has now gone online. There's a beautiful site called helpguide.org which can help people understand what kind of situation they're dealing with. They have like a whole page on anxiety and panic and PTSD. So they can begin to understand and articulate where they are. There's a lot of help. So Help Guide has a lot of um, suggestions for where to get support. And there's so much support being offered now during the pandemic that it's kind of in every town. There's somebody doing mental
0: health support. That's terrific. And how important is it for us to get some support during this time? with all these different emotions that we are dealing with.
1: Extremely. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely. And this support can be Facebook groups, book clubs, anything where we're joining together with people and we're able to speak openly and freely about what we're experiencing. And I also would have to say to beware of things that increase your anxiety for no reason, like TV news,
0: Mm. uh, like
1: I've seen so many Facebook memes and Twitter fights and stuff like that. And I almost feel like my mom at a slumber party, I'm going to have to drive some of you girls home. <laughs> I just, I just want, I'm going to drive everybody on Twitter home because it's not helping to increase anxiety and rage if people are already overwhelmed. So to really sort of curate what you are allowing to come into your eyes and into your mind
0: what advice do you have for people right now as they're dealing with so many different emotions?
1: It's important to know that we've been taught all our lives and for centuries that emotions are the problem. And what I have realized is that emotions are almost never the problem. Emotions come when there is a problem and they come to help us deal with the problem. So if we can learn their language we can change our lives, and we can change the entire world. And Lord, it's time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Carla, thank you for coming on. This is really enlightening, very different approach to anxiety, mm-hmm. and and it's certainly a timely one. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you. That was Carla McLaren talking about how we can learn to recognize the power and energy of anxiety and learn to use it for motivation and action. If you'd like to learn more about Carla or her book, Embracing Anxiety, How to Access the Genius of This Vital Emotion, just visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. And a reminder to bring a little bit of happiness to your work day every day with the Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. Just enable this as a skill on your Amazon device and start your morning by saying, Alexa, give me my live happy daily happiness briefing. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.